So today we're going to continue on in our series in the life of David. And uh, we're going to skip a couple chapters here into chapter 20, but also too, I'm not going to read all of 20 to you, but highlight some things in there and you can have your Bible open and, and uh, make reference there and figure out where we're at. But have you ever had a, a, a BFF, best friend forever? Have, have you ever had a, a, a BFFL, best friend for life? Uh, these people are pretty special people. It's someone who knows you better than you know yourself, right? I trust you've had some friends like that. Maybe you still do have friends like that. I saw a quote that said, we are going to be best friends forever. Besides, you already know too much. <laughs> Another one I saw the quote as, uh, as, as your best friend, I'll always pick you up when you fall after I finish laughing. <laughs> and and then uh, maybe you've heard this one possibly too, but friends are what God gives you to make up for your family. <laughs> and maybe you've got friends like that. Maybe you've got family like that. I don't know. But, but everyone needs a friend. Everybody needs a friend. God said it's not good for man to be alone. And the context of, uh, of that verse, of course, was the creation of Eve and a life partner for Adam. Marriage at its finest is a partnership of best friends. But sometimes you may have that non-romantic friendship, just a friend, but what a friend that person is. Someone who really gets you, who really knows you, and, and somehow still likes you. <laughs> but everyone likes to have friends. No matter how old you are, no matter how wealthy you are, if you don't have friends, life just doesn't seem all that great. I mean, you ever try playing golf on your own? You hit that great shot, and you have nobody to share it with. Uh, that's why you go out with the uh, other two or three or so people to, to go golf and enjoy that together. Uh, and tennis and ping pong, forget about it on your own. It gets kind of rough. But uh, God has designed us to live in relationship with other people. And when we, we cut ourselves off from others, we cut ourselves off from the help we could have received if we had been in relationship with other people. Scripture even confirms this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, where it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Pity the man who does not have a friend to help when he is in need. Now, I've known people with a lot of friends, but when times get hard, they found that they weren't friends at all, but only acquaintances they would leave as soon as it got tough. In Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, true friendship is found in the depth of relationships, when those relationships go deep. And someone wants to find a friend as someone who comes in when everyone else goes out. So how, how do we find friends like that? We find them like, uh, like that by being a friend like that. And there is the rub. We need to be that kind of friend to have those friends in our lives. Many of us are not a friend to others like that, and we have superficial relationships because we think it will protect us from getting hurt. Don't let them get too close. I don't have to worry about getting hurt if it doesn't work. Well, sometimes it will cause hurt in our lives when, that, when we follow that line of thought. But the fullness and joy of experiencing close relationships with a friend outweighs the risk. 
Pastor Stu Weber he relates a story from his youth in 1967. He says, We were at war with Vietnam, and there I was at the U.S. Army Ranger School at Fort Benning, Georgia. I can still hear the raspy voice of the sergeant. We are here to save your, your lives. We're going to see to it that you overcome all your natural fears. We're going to show you just how much incredible stress the human mind and body can endure. And when we're finished with you, you will be the U.S. Army's best. Then before he dismissed, he announced our first assignment. We'd braced ourselves for something really tough, running 10 miles in full battle gear or rappelling down a sheer cliff. Instead, he told us, find yourself a buddy. He growled, you will stick together. You will never leave each other. You will encourage each other. And if necessary, you will carry each other. And it was the Army's way of saying difficult assignments require a friend. Together is better. Now, it sounds as if someone in the military knew uh, that proverb about uh, Proverbs 17, verse 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. How many people would you list among your friends that would be like that? Not just people you know or those you work or go to school with, but people you would honestly number among your friends in a way that would stick close, that would be there in love at all times. Someone was quoted as saying, we have fewer friends than we imagine, but more than we know. They're around. We just need to be that friend to them and connect. So how do you know who your friends are? One of the best answers to that question can be found in the story of two friends named David and Jonathan, who we're going to be looking at today. In some ways, there couldn't be any two people less likely to be friends, and yet somehow what would seem to have driven them apart draws them together. So let me, let me back up a little bit and give you a little running start to this, a little, a little background to chapter, chapters before this. Uh, you know, the battle between David and Goliath is over. Israel's champion and savior, David, has killed Goliath. The armies of, of Israel then routed the armies of the Philistines and chased them all the way back to their own territory. Then after that, Saul's commander of the army, Abner, brought David to Saul so that Saul could find out about David's family. And Saul's son, Jonathan, was at that meeting as well. Then we enter into chapter 18, and uh, the first five verses, I want to read to you because it kind of sets the scene for uh, chapter 20. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. So you have the situation where the covenant is made between Jonathan and David, a friendship covenant, making sure that each, each takes care of the other, has each other's back, and uh, watches out for one another, is there for one another, that type of situation. And then after this, we have people starting to brag about David's victories compared to Saul's. Saul gets kind of upset about that, and jealousy starts to creep in uh, on Saul regarding his attitude towards David. And Saul tried to pin David to the wall, not just once, but twice with his spear. He missed both times. 
And Saul then sent David away with an army of men, and David had great success. Saul was just, get out of here, go do other stuff. And he just continued, David just continued to have success in those battles. And then Saul became afraid of David while all Israel and Judah loved David. You can see kind of the departure of what Saul is with his relationship with David. And then Saul tried to devise a plan for David to be killed in battle with the Philistines to win over Saul's daughter in marriage. But David then continued to have victory over the Philistines, and things just got better for David, not worse. And then chapter 19, Jonathan then persuades Saul not to kill David. He steps up and he tries to talk to his dad about this. And, you know, David's a really pretty good guy. Why would you want to kill him? And then Saul says, okay, you're right. Um, I, I, will, I promise not to do that. But then that didn't last very long. And he got angry again at, at David, thinking about who David was. And, and then Saul tries to kill him again with his spear a third time. He misses, of course, again. And David takes off to uh, Ramah, where Sam, Samuel is. And, uh, and then Saul sends, and this is funny, uh, very interesting portions of, of Scripture here. But Saul sends his men three times up to Ramah. He sends a, a group of them three times up to Ramah. And, and, but each time the Spirit of God came upon those guys, and they end up prophesying along with Samuel. So they kind of join in with Samuel and all that's going on up there. And so Saul kept on sending them, and they kept on staying and prophesying. And then finally Saul goes up himself. Because he wants them to kill David. And so Saul finally goes up there to take care of David himself, but the Spirit came upon him, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he ends up prophesying too. A very interesting portion of Scripture there. And then that leads us in the, to chapter 20, where then David takes off from there to meet up with Jonathan. So let's look at this portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 20. It's a living example of Proverbs 17 verse 17, as I I read already, so that you and I can determine what true friendship is, how you can be the friend you should be, and and then enjoy the greatest friendship that anyone ever had. So let's look at this, and and the first 23 verses, like I said, I'm not going to read them. You can kind of follow along as I kind of comment on those things. But uh, uh, the first 23 verses, we see here that a friend is someone you can turn to in times of trouble. A friend is someone, a good, a true friend, is someone you can turn to in times of trouble. Someone has said, a fair-weather friend is one who is always around when he needs you. Think about that for a moment, and you'll get it. Anyway, you know that's not true, though, at all. Uh, Friends are those who are there for us to turn to, any kind of friend. We can actually, actually turn to them, but how long they'll be there for us, that's another question. In fact, isn't it usually when hard times hit that we find out who our, fr- our true friends are? It was certainly the case for David. David is a man on, on the run here, and God has chosen him to be king of Israel. But the current king, Saul, wants to kill him. David found uh, temporary refuge, again, like I said, with the prophet Samuel. But now he needs someone to turn to who will help him figure out what his next move will be. And ironically... That friend David turns to is the son of the man who wants to kill him, and it's Prince Jonathan. It might seem odd that Jonathan thinks David is mistaken about his father's murderous intentions towards uh, David. After all, Saul has tried to pin David to the wall before during one of his insane rages, and only Jonathan's intervention had saved David's life. But now David knows Saul is not in some passing rage. He is determined 
to see David dead. And only a step ahead of Saul's assassins, David turns to the best friend he has to figure out what to do. And Jonathan does not let him down. So Jonathan said to David in verse 4, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. So together, uh, these two friends come up with a plan to see if David's fears are truly founded. David suggests that he go back to Bethlehem and see his family instead of attending the the new moon feast that will be going on. And uh, as Saul and his cohorts uh, celebrate this, and if Saul accepts uh, uh, David's absence with no suspicion, then they will know all is well. No problems, no issues. But if not, then Saul will reveal his hatred for him. And either way, Jonathan will meet David back at this same place and through signs during his archery practice, he let him know whether or not it is safe for him to return to Saul's house. But there is a tender moment here recorded in verses 13 through 17, as you notice. Look there. Jonathan seems to somehow know that David will someday be king, and he will not. Jonathan won't. He makes a covenant with David, not only man to man, but between kings. It was often the custom when one king would come to power that he would slaughter all of the family of the fallen king. You wouldn't want anyone rising up and causing rebellion. Jonathan calls David, it calls for David to honor their friendship, not only by how he treats Jonathan, but how he will treat Jonathan's descendants as well. In verse 23, he says, Indeed, the Lord be between you and me forever. God is in this, and God will guide us, and God will be with us through all of this time. Don't forget me when I'm gone, basically Jonathan's saying to his friend, because I will never forget you. You know a lot of people who might call themselves your friends, but how many do you know you can turn to when you're in trouble? How many folks could you pick up the phone right now and say, I'm I'm in trouble, I need some help, Uh, can you come? Would they come running? Those are true friends because a friend is someone you can turn to in times of trouble. Friends are born for adversity. When adversity hits, you've got them there. How many of us are that kind of friend? How many people can turn to you when you're in trouble? If you want a friend like that, you have to be a friend like that. If you don't have those friends, realize what kind of friend are you? That's the kind of friendship David and Jonathan had, and that's that's the kind of friendship you want too, I, I trust. Someone who will be there for you in times of trouble. Mr. Sam Rayburn was Speaker of the United States House of Representatives longer than any other in, uh, in, in any other man in, in our history, and there's a story about him that reveals the kind of man he really was. The teenage daughter of a friend of his uh, his uh, a friend of his died suddenly one night. The teenage daughter did, and early the next morning, the man heard a knock on his door, and when he opened it, there was Mr. Rayburn standing outside his door, and the speaker said. I just came by to see what I could do to help. And the father replied in his deep grief, I don't think there's anything you can do, Mr. Speaker. We were making all the arrangements. Well, Mr. Rayburn said, have you had your coffee this morning? And the man replied that they had not taken time for breakfast. So Mr. Rayburn said that he, would, he, he could at least make coffee for them. 
And when, uh, while he was working in the kitchen, the man came in and said, Mr. Speaker, I, I thought you were supposed to be having breakfast at the White House this morning. Well, I was, Mr. Rayburn said, but I called the president and told him I had a friend who was in trouble and I couldn't come. Friends like that. Friends love at all times. Let me tell you something else about David and Jonathan that illustrates true friendship. Another thing here we'll find in verses 24 through 34. A friend is someone who will not turn on you when everyone else is against you. A true friend is someone who will not turn on you when everyone else is against you. You know, Jonathan has many reasons to betray David. He has to confront them all when he goes back home to his father's dinner table. And when they gather around uh, to the meal, Saul sits in a corner with his back against the wall where he can see everybody. Besides him sits uh, General Abner and the king's chief of staff. And who knows what plans Saul had for David if he had shown up for the meal. Sure, he was looking for him. But David does not show up, and Saul holds his rage in check, steaming underneath, but he's holding it in check. Assuming there must be some good reason, he'll be here tomorrow, he thinks to himself. And when David does not show up the next day, Saul questions the one person at the table who knows is close to him, Jonathan. And Jonathan uh, uh, then is questioned. Saul says through some gritted teeth, where is that son of Jesse? Why didn't he come to supper? And then Jonathan tries to pass it off, explaining that he gave David permission to go back home for a festival with his family. And this is where Saul then loses it. Now, I will not translate the literal phrase Saul uses here in verse 30, uh, son of a perverse, rebellious woman, he says there. Because you probably heard someone say in English what he meant in Hebrew, and it's not very pretty. What I want to point out is how Saul tries to make Jonathan turn against David by using shame and guilt and greed as well. The shame you see in the uh, middle part of verse 30, he says, You have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame. Everybody's laughing at you, he's saying. Everyone's laughing at you for sticking up for that shepherd boy. So there's the shame. And then in the last part of verse 30, he brings on the guilt. And to the shame of your mother's uh, nakedness, is what he says. You are shaming your mother by sh shielding, shielding that traitor. And then in verse 31, first part of 31, he talks about uh, the greed, brings that on. He says, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. You're not getting anything. You will never sit on the throne as long as David lives. So he appeals to his greed, to, to greed in this as well. But I want you to notice that Jonathan remains loyal to his friend through all this. He speaks up for David, not because David has done wrong, but because David has done right. Jonathan is not a, a son trying to rebel against his father by sticking up for those no good friends who, who, who lead him to do wrong. He's, he, he, he remains loyal to his friend and to his father as well. In fact, uh, even after David leaves, Jonathan stays with Saul all the way to the end, even to the point when they both die together in battle. Jonathan never uh, leaves his father in that way. But Saul cannot see that now. He, his heart is so full of rage, and he gives his own son what he once gave to David, the point of a spear. And though Jonathan escapes the spear... 
His own heart is torn in two by his love for his doomed father and his love for his fugitive friend. Someone wants to find a friend as one person who comes in when the whole world has gone out. I mentioned that before already. There are those folks who are there for you when difficulties happen. Uh, I trust you have friends like that that can be there. There are a lot of folks who will stick with you when you have money or when you're doing well. There are plenty of people who sing your praises when you're on top, but forget your name when you reach bottom. Whatever you want to call these folks, they really are not your friends. They're there uh, to use you and get what they can out of you. Back in the early 70s, Pepper Rogers was in the middle of a terrible season as football coach at UCLA. It even got so bad that it upset his home life. He recalls, uh, he said, my dog was my only, only friend. I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends, and she bought me another dog. <laughs> Isn't loyalty one of the tests of friendship? I'm not talking about the loyalty of those who do wrong. Even, even thieves stick together when they face the police. But you want your friends to speak up for you when everyone else is bad-mouthing you. A true friend is not a bad backstabber. They are willing to stand up under pressure and stand with you even when everyone else stands against you. Others may kick you when you're down, but a true friend reaches down to pick you up. That is what it means when the proverb says, a friend loves at all times. Now, how many people do you know who are like this, willing to stand up to the crowd when the crowd stands against you? willing to risk themselves for your sake. How many of us are that kind of friend to someone else? How many people can count on you to remain loyal when others turn against them? That's the kind of friend you need to have, and that's the kind of friend you need to be. So-called fair-weather friends are a dime a dozen, but a friend who will not turn on you when everyone else is against you is a true friend. And a treasure. Keep them. And one last lesson we can learn here on the friendship uh, that David and Jonathan teaches us. It's found in verses 35 through 42. A friend here is someone who will always tell you the truth even when it hurts. A true friend is someone who will always tell you the truth even when it hurts. The best way to lose a friend, you know what the best way to lose a friend is? Tell him something uh, for his own good. Tell him something for his own good. Then you'll test that friendship a bit. You might feel that way sometimes, but uh, really anyone who is truly your friend will risk making you angry to tell you the truth, even when it hurts. I imagine Jonathan did not get much sleep that night, thinking about his father's insane rage and, and, and his friend's desperate dilemma. What would he do? If he saved David, Saul would call it betrayal but he could not let David be murdered by the father. So at dawn, with a heavy heart, Jonathan and a little boy went out to where he was to meet David for some target practice. Jonathan went through the motions, conveying the message to David uh, about, about his, uh, his, his danger, and sent the boy back home with all of his weapons. And Jonathan has faced the truth about Saul, and now he has admitted the truth about his father to David. But Jonathan could not leave without a personal goodbye to his beloved friend. So David creeps out of hiding and, and bows down before Jonathan in a symbol of respect and gratitude. 
And Jonathan kisses David in the custom of friends in those days. And these big, strong, battle-hardened men break down and cry like babies. As much as they wish things are different, they both, they both face the hard truth that they must go their separate ways. But they cannot, cannot leave without reminding each other of their covenant made before the Lord that their friendship would continue even after death. Verse 42 says, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Truth is, uh, pretty, pretty hard enough to face alone. Truth is very difficult to face alone. We don't have someone along with us. But it is only your friends who will tell you the truth, even when it hurts. Your friends are not just the, the yes man or yes woman who always tells you what you want to hear. You need to hear some things that are tough sometimes. And you need friends who will tell you that. It's your friend who will tell you about the, that piece of parsley shining between your teeth when you smile. It's your friend who will be the only one who tells you that your new dress makes you look like a blimp. It's your friend who will risk it all to suggest that the boy or girl you're in love with is leading you down the wrong path. It's your friend who will be bold enough to say something about your addiction or your weakness or even your sin. And then they will weep with you and lift you up in their prayers, even when you have to be apart. Your true friends will always tell you the truth, even when it hurts. How many people do you know are friends who will tell you the truth, even when it hurts? How many would risk offending you in order to help you? How many are so concerned about you that they would lovingly confront you when you do wrong? How many of you are willing to be that kind of friend to someone else? How many of your friends need you to be willing to tell them the truth, even when it hurts? And some of us, like myself, <clears throat> don't really enjoy conflict that much. And you've got to overcome that, to be the friend you need to be for that person, to tell them the truth, even when it hurts, even when it might bring up conflict within your friendship. And that's the kind of friend you need to have and, and you need to be. And anyone can tell you what you want to hear, but only a true friend tells you what you need to hear. The truth, even when it hurts. And maybe you think to yourself, as uh, we see this beautiful example of friendship between Jonathan and David, you think to yourself, Pastor Jim, I, I don't have a friend like that. I, I'm... That's vacant in my life, as far as friendship goes. And that is where you would be wrong. You do have a friend like that. In fact, you have a friend who loves you even more than Jonathan loved David. Or any other friend you have. <laughs> Another proverb says this in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer <laughs> than a brother. David and Jonathan gives us a good example of what a friend should be, but the one friend who is a perfect example of friendship is Jesus. You can turn to Jesus even in trouble, and He will always be there. When everyone else leaves he has, and has no use for you, Jesus always loves you, always is there for you. And when you need the truth and nobody else will bother to tell you, Jesus will always tell you the absolute, undeniable truth. 
as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. In fact, Jesus did something for you that no other friend can do. He died to save you from your sins. In fact, Jesus once said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus did that for us. You may not know it, but Jesus is your best friend. And he can help you become a better friend to others if you will follow him. And with friends like this, it doesn't matter who your enemies are. Good friends, we need them around us. We need that true friendship to be able to make it through the difficult times, to, to bolster us up, to be there, and, and to laugh with us when we're laughing, to cry with us when we're crying. Be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, can you meet? And they're there. They're available. Do you need a friend like that? I encourage you to be a friend like that so you have those friends. Evaluate your friendship. Who are you as a friend to people around you? I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And as they come on up, I'm going to share a story um, that speaks about this as well. Out of the furnaces of war came many true stories of sacrificial friendship. And one story tells of two friends in World War I who were inseparable. They had enlisted together. They had trained together. They were shipped overseas together. They fought side by side in the trenches. And then during an attack, one of them was critically wounded in a field full of barbed wire. He was unable to crawl back to his foxhole, and the entire area was under a withering enemy crossfire, and it was suicidal to try to reach him. Yet his friend decided to try. Before he could get out of his own trench, his sergeant yanked him back inside and ordered him not to go. It's too late. You can't do him any good. You only get yourself dead. A few minutes later, the officer turned his back, and instantly the man was gone after his friend. A few minutes later, he staggered back, wounded, with his friend, now dead, in his arms. The sergeant was both angry and deeply moved. What a waste, he, bl he, he blurted out. He's dead, and you're dying. It just wasn't worth it. With almost his last breath, the dying man replied, Oh, yes, it was, Sarge. When I got to him, the only thing he said was, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd be there. Do you need a friend like that? Do you need a friend that will be there in times of trouble? Do you need a friend that will, that will go through thick and thin with you and always be there? Then you have to learn to be one. Be that kind of friend. Let Jonathan and David teach us how to recognize our true friends and how to be a better friend. Be that true friend for someone else. If you're in need of a friend like that, also to remember, you've got Jesus by your side. He is that best friend. But I understand, sometimes you need that flesh and blood. You need someone you can hug, someone that can give you a hug. And God can provide that friend for you. Do you have that type of friend? If you don't, like I said, the best way to find those friends is to be that kind of friend to them. Develop that friendship in that way. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know Him as your best friend in that way, you can come discover Him as your friend. You can come and receive Him as Savior. 
to be not just your friend for life, but your Savior for life. He is the way for us to get to heaven. He is the way for us to enter in to that rest. Those of you who have placed your, your trust for eternal life in Jesus Christ alone, you know all about that. You know that when this life is done, when you are through with this, this, this world in that way, and God calls you home, you are going home. <laughs> You're going to be with Jesus face-to-face, God face-to-face, and all other friends and family members who put their trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life are going to be there as well, reunited with them. <coughs> to have a friend like that through these days is so valuable. A friend in Jesus, is be able, is, it, it, you're able to carry through when you don't have those friends around you to help you. But keep praying and be that friend to those around you, and you'll discover those true friends that can be with you thick and thin. It's like David and Jonathan. But if you, you are struggling these days and you just don't have that friend, and you want to say, Lord, help me be that friend. Help me find it, that type of person. Send someone to me. I'm trying. I, I, I need that type of person right now. Maybe you want to spend some time in praying. Just send that up to God. Let Him know your heart. Let Him know what you're going through. Because the struggles that you face shouldn't be faced alone. Be able to have that person come alongside and help you. Come alongside and encourage you in Jesus. We're going to sing a couple songs here. As we do, if you feel led to come and pray, please come and pray. But also to realize that uh, Jesus is waiting for you be able to provide for your need and whatever you're facing today. Uh, Jesus wants to walk through that with you. Let him be that friend. Let him be the best friend that you never have.